0: Welcome back to the Rebuildable Podcast. Alongside Drew Stevens, I'm Matt Gentile. And Drew, last time we spoke, you and I were previewing NBA free agency. And since then, the Bulls did end up making some moves just before the start of the league year. They re-signed Nikola Vucevic to a three-year, $60 million extension. And then once free agency opened up, they signed Javon Carter for three years, $20 million, and forward Tory Craig on a two-year deal for what's believed to be a little over $5 million total. And then, uh, like, right away, actually, they re-signed Kobe White for three years, $33 million. Some reports right before free agency were thinking he could get more annually, so it's kind of a nice win getting him on a team-friendly deal to come back to the Bulls. So, Drew, let's get into these new signings first. What do you think about the additions of Javon Carter and Torrey Craig to the Bulls roster?
1: I mean, I love them. I love them. Just for the simple fact that if this is the path that the front office is going to continue to go down and they're not looking to break up Vucevic, DeRozan, and Levine, you need to try to improve this team on the margins, you know, from the sixth spot to the tenth spot or whatever the case may be. And I think that they did that. I like that both Craig and Carter get threes up, but also like the fact that they didn't sacrifice defense. You know, we saw this bulls team be top 10 in the league in defense last season, whether you want to want to, you know, pick a bone with how real their defense really was. Um, You know, that was, that was part of their strong suits and by getting Carter and, and, and Craig, I don't think they'll they'll lose any ground there, but they should be more fluid offensively. They, there should be less record scratches when you know La- <laughs> Levine and the Rosen are kicking the ball out. So I mean I I love it from that standpoint. Mm. Um what did you think about it? Because I have some more some more thoughts, but I, I want to see what you think. I'm
0: happy that we finally I feel like under acme saw key moves made around the margins because it's been a while, you know, seeing them address areas of need, right? You're adding three point shooting to the team with, with Javon Carter and with Torrey Craig, but yes, you're adding elements defensively. I feel like whenever you're, you're adding to your mix, right? You want to be able to kind of level set at both ends of the floor. And when you could do it with, you know, two of your new additions, that's, that's huge. Whenever you can make those kind of moves, seeing them, Address two areas of need and do it pretty quickly, I think was really promising um and really at a at a controlled cost, not to i mean we we we've had plenty of discussions about how we think you know we'd run an nBA franchise, but I'd say this, like the fact that they were able to make impactful moves without you know having to get maybe like too overly uh, relying on a sign and trade or giving away key assets to add smaller assets. I think it was good. It was solid. And I think in a vacuum, I'm happy um, doesn't you know remove my, my other doubts about long-term plan for the Chicago bulls, but at least for just the 2023, 24 season, I feel like they've made significant upgrades. Javon Carter. I want to ask you about him real quick. What do you think His role can be in expanded minutes because if you break down the numbers, he definitely, he shoots pretty good from three point range. You know, usually like in extended minutes gets into like the upper thirties percentage wise. I think he had uh, a real dynamic like run with Milwaukee in the back half of the 2022 season. But if you kind of see like he sort of reset to his usual career averages last year, but what do you think about his addition specifically do you think this is somebody that is going to pick up like a major amount of minutes or kind of fall in that same role he was in with the Milwaukee Bucks
1: it's funny because I think he was one of the players that we talked about leading up to the Mm -hmm. summer and who the Bulls could slide in at point guard to help kind of bridge that gap between Lonzo Ball and whoever else they've had at that position since he went down I still don't think he's quite the point guard that this team needs. But for the simple fact that he's a stout defender and a willing three-point shooter, I think he does see see an increase in in his minutes compared to what he was playing um, with Milwaukee. He gives them another option, that, that being Billy Donovan. He doesn't have to rely on, you know, a one dimensional type player, um, in i And I hate to say that, but one dimensional in the sense that he, he, he didn't shoot the ball. Well, um, last season, like we talked about how this team needed more guys who were just multi-dimensional and weren't just good for one good thing. And I think that Javon Carter can provide that for this team. Um, From what I've heard, he's not really one to take too many shots inside of the arc, not mm-hmm. great at finishing, um, but he is like a very stout defender, even though he's he's on a smaller size. So you're not going to be able to see him do the things that maybe a Caruso or Alonzo Ball can do. But I think he he he, he fits very well into what this team is trying to do and, and the, the vision, I think, that what – the front office has of of how to best accentuate the big three
0: yeah and it's interesting with him too because if you do look at his shooting percentages his full field goal percentage is somewhere like in the kind of like low 40s for his career and it kind of speaks to your point if you're not really getting into the paint a lot for higher percentage looks like that's gonna kind of drag down your um your overall field goal shooting but his true shooting percentage is actually pretty solid um so you know i i do think it'll be interesting to see what he could do with with maybe those extended minutes and potentially getting into that starting spot like if you were playing the role of billy donovan like right now are you giving that starting point guard nod to javon carter or are you are you turning it over to, to kobe white
1: i'm still that's still something i'm, I'm wrestling with and i have yeah. been ever since they made these additions like man is, is it better to plug Carter and Tori into that starting lineup or Kobe White and Patrick Williams. I think right now, as we sit here on what, July 11th, 10th, mm-hmm. I think I'm leaning toward more of a veteran laden starting lineup with Tory Craig and Javon Carter in it and keeping you know that North Carolina duo of Kobe White and Patrick Williams on the bench. It just it just seemed like there was a, a very good synergy that those two had between each other, and I think we saw Patrick Williams maybe think less and react better when he was coming off the bench, and he, and he wasn't maybe so worried about the other teammates on the floor and who should have been taking what shot at one point in the game. So I think that's where I'm leaning right now. Are you feeling the same way or.
0: I'm like halfway with you. So I think I, I'm trying to remember, I I guess I didn't text this to you. I might text this to one of my friends. Um, Not that you aren't a friend. It's,
1: <laughs> right. it's okay. Okay.
0: Um, <laughs> but I have this thought, like I think I would go Javon Carter at starting point guard. And I like the idea of having Kobe way kind of be that spark plug off the bench. I feel like, Last year, he really excelled in that. And I would love to have him as, like, a viable option maybe for you to close games. If he's catching a heater, then you roll with Kobe White to close the game. And I always think that's important. In the NBA, it's about who finishes games, not necessarily who starts them. You can have key guys coming off the bench that are typically closing games for you. Before Alex Caruso cracked the starting lineup, there were plenty of times he was closing out games. That's what matters most. But the Craig... Patrick Williams debate. I feel like I'm leaning towards starting Patrick Williams, make it his job to lose. It's kind of what happened last year, but I feel like I would maybe give him the opportunity to earn that starting job. And if you kind of notice in the preseason or early in the season, maybe first 10 games or so in, there's better chemistry with Tory Craig starting or with Tory Craig getting minutes with the starters, I should say. Then you maybe switch it up and and start games with with Torrey Craig. But again, like to me, stagger the lineups well enough and you don't have to even worry about that. And like, you know, that's going to be where, you know, I'm sure we'll get into where Billy Donovan's going to have to earn his paycheck. Maybe it's on you to stagger those minutes. If you stagger it right, it it shouldn't matter. But um, I think right now I'd lean towards Javon Carter starting at the point guard spot and then Patrick Williams starting at at that power forward spot because i do think when you saw patrick williams at the end of last season with patrick beverly in the lineup and in a better rhythm with a point guard you know maybe there might be something there if there's a little more cohesiveness right i would maybe just kind of see how that goes first before i i give it to tory craig
1: yeah no i'm not mad at that like i said i'm i've been kind of going back and forth um I know that Billy Donovan has to be thrilled. You know, he's just to have more viable options to go to and different lineups he can he can plug and play and tinker with and see who fits best with whom. So, you know, I'm sure we'll get into it, but the expectations for him, I think, go to a different level this, this upcoming season. You know, a lot of times, I think you and I have spoke about in the past how for all the criticism that was thrown Billy Donovan's way, I don't know if enough attention was paid to the players that he had at his disposal mm-hmm. and the way that those players could kind of gel together and make sense on the court together. Point case in being the fact that it wasn't a whole lot of three point shooting on the roster, um, not a whole lot of players that could, do multiple things and be a plus on both sides of the floor. So now that he has theoretically two guys to add to his rotation, who should help, should contribute, should make the big three look better and the team overall look better. What does he do? You know, Mm. what does he do? Are, are are we still going to be having those same conversations about his rotations? Are we still going to be having the same conversations about, his lack of creativity when it comes to drawing up a game plan for the offense, that's been my biggest criticism is even though he had he didn't have maybe all of the ideal parts for Nikola Vucevic and Zach Levine and DeMar DeRozan, three players who whose career has been made on the offensive side of the floor, for them not to have been able to get more From that side of the court and those three guys, I look to Billy Donovan on that just as much as I look to those three guys. So I'm putting as much on Billy Donovan and his ability to adapt to a new roster and be creative and, you know, play up to the strengths of the roster that he has now. I'm looking at that more so than I have had in his previous seasons with this team. Are you feeling the same way or Oh, I'm I'm definitely in locked, kinda... I'm
0: in, I'm in lockstep with you on this one because I feel like with making those marginal upgrades and again, they're marginal upgrades, but we haven't seen the front office do that to this point, right? So, them adding those those key pieces to kind of just fill out areas of need on the roster now it is on Billy Donovan to sort of show like, Hey, can you, like I was saying earlier, create effective rotations, drop those, those game plans night in and night out to get the most out of your roster. Cause there are pieces there. Like, I don't think anybody's disputed that. Um, you know, it's, especially with, with that core. I mean, we, we have argued about the roster construction in terms of do these pieces fit. And clearly the, front office is telling you yeah we believe they do fit if we make these key additions right like if we add a point guard you guys saw what this could be with Lonzo Ball back in the 2021-22 season and then last year you saw what happened when we brought Pat Beverly in I think they're trying to basically say like hey we're we're confident that if there's a, a Void filled at the point guard spot and we make an upgrade with, you know, an actual, you know, power forward addition because most of the guys they've had have been, you know, undersized forwards um, in DJJ and, you know, Javante green. Now we're actually making that addition. So, and we're adding shooting to the mix, right. We're covering that aspect of it too. We've upgraded it defensively just with those two additions. Now, show us what you can do, Billy. I, I, I'm not saying like they're, you know, calling him out or anything, but I do think they're kind of saying like, hey, look, we we're, we made the moves that we needed to make to improve this current core. And again, we can argue long term what that vision is, but I mean, to me, the expectation level should be raised even with these two marginal signings. Like I think the expectation level should be raised to. I mean, at the very least, being at that top portion of the play-in tournament, right, seven, eight. I feel like you should be fighting for fifth, sixth seed if if we're looking at that
1: ceiling level. Maybe yeah, I'm crazy. I'm, I'm no, I don't think. No, I don't think you're 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 crazy at all. I think that the sixth seed, you know it it may be the ceiling for this team for going into next season, but that should definitely be a goal, if not the goal for this team. Um, you know, just kind of looking at the standings from last season and, and what's going on so far in this offseason. I don't know that the Hawks or the Nets or the Raptors have gotten any better this off season, depending on what happens with Damian Lillard and how Miami chooses to pivot from that. That could be somebody else that you could see the Bulls kind of trumping in the standings. Although Eric Spoelstra and in the gang always seem to pull a rabbit out of their ass. So I don't I don't know exactly <laughs> where that'll shake out. But I mean this it's not as if when you're looking at the seeds, you know, five through ten, six through ten, none of those teams to me are head and shoulders above the Bulls. Now I think you and I may have been saying that last season as well. Um cool you and I were kind of harsh
0: on the bulls when we did, we looked at all the rosters in the Eastern conference, I think, and we had them, I think ninth as a roster last year. Like, I think there's two teams that probably concern me the most that are kind of in that same area of the bulls. And it's the Pacers and the magic. I think those are the two teams that could make that seismic jump. But for them, keep in mind, a seismic jump might be nine or 10, right? Like, I would say, like, the Pacers, to me, you know, there's there's a lot of smoke. They they have so many assets, and it seems like they could make key additions. You know, like, I, I think there's rumors from, like, Mark Stein, you know, kind of hinted to the idea of Pascal Siakam maybe being a target of theirs, and, and you add him to that mix with Tyrese Halliburton, that's a, that's a dangerous core that you have in, in Indiana. So that's a little scary, and of course, we talked about the magic, like, the Magic got on a roll when the calendar year turned, and you know that's a team that could make a jump up. That's also something we have to consider. I do agree with you. Like the, the Nets, the Hawks, the Raptors, those are teams that could definitely, you could see them taking a step back. I know this is probably a crazy take. I could see a team like the Knicks even taking a slight step back. That brand of basketball and that roster construction, I think there's a shelf life to it. And I think they have some intriguing young pieces. Do they have superstar pieces though? That are gonna like keep you at that level or take you to the next step? Because eventually you just plateau. So Mm -hmm. you know, are the Knicks gonna just float between anywhere from like five down to down to the play in range? It's possible. It wouldn't surprise me. So I feel like with the roster that the Bulls have, there is a possibility that they could find their way jumping up in the standings now again it's it's kind of a weird debate though for me drew because like i've always looked at everything with big picture outlook and so i'm saying this in terms of it being in a vacuum right like in the moment right now looking at it for just the 2024 season that's certainly the ceiling now we can have a, a bigger discussion should that be the ceiling for, for a team like this? Probably not. I would want to raise the expectation level a little bit, uh, and I think we should as fans, but based on the direction that's been taken, clearly that's not necessarily the top priority for this upcoming season. And look, I, I reserve the right to change my mind. They can talk about Miami pulling a rabbit out of their ass. Maybe the Bulls pull a rabbit out of their ass with some <laughs> massive acquisition, or Zach Levine trade rumors end up actually coming to fruition and they kind of hit a soft reset that would also change my expectation level we don't know there's still a lot of time left in the in the off season but yeah right now in the moment in a vacuum it's not too much to ask to get to succeed
1: agree agree um just as a quick aside i think kind of a dark horse play in tournament Temp C type team would be the Detroit Pistons with Ooh. Cunningham back in the fold, and they just got Joe Harris, still have um Boyam but Bogdanovich. So I mean, hey, you never know.
0: We talked about them a lot last year when we did that episode about rosters. We talked about, you know, those Pistons, they're stockpiling. But then, like, look at their their big man situation. You're like, man, you guys are just stockpiling a whole bunch of uh former
1: number two picks, aren't you? <laughs> True. True. I, I wanna I wanna get into to this and I think you're almost starting to head in that direction. <laughs> what what does it say to you? Maybe this is an easy question for you to ask, but what does it say to you that the front office has about as good of an off season as you could hope for as the Bulls fan, considering the direction that they've picked? But there still isn't this glimpse of hope as for what could be coming in the near future being this upcoming season. Like it's still kind of like, yeah, you made these moves and you address three point shooting without theoretically getting worse defensively, but these moves are maybe a year too late. Yeah.
0: It, I think it it says that they really dug themselves a hole. And I think that all started at the trade deadline of 2021, like, or excuse me, 2022, 2022, within activity. And I I think had they made better marginal moves last off season, like I think we'd be more forgiving right now. They probably would have been in a better situation last year. And we probably would be looking at this as, okay, it's a sustainable situation, but they just need to make that one more move to get over the next hurdle, right? The next hump. But, you know, by holding it off, we had to go through a season where you know, they just kind of flirted with mediocrity the whole way. And I think that's what's kind of put us in this position right now where it's like, okay, you have to show me that you can get out of it. And I think these were good steps to maybe get you to like that, again, getting you maybe to possibly locking down a playoff spot or being a high-end in team, but they're going to have to keep working their way out of it. Like, show me what's your what's your next move. If they show that they are maybe even a little bit better than we anticipated... Like, let's say it's kind of like the 2022 season where they come out of the gate hotter than shit, then if that happens, then all right. If, if you get this disabled player exception and you're able to actually use it to acquire a key piece because now you're going for it. Now I think I got a better buy in that. Maybe they are starting to turn a little bit of a corner. And they realize, you know what, if we really want to compete, we're going to we're going to go for it. We're going to keep making these, you know, moves around the margins to make the roster better because maybe they find a formula that works with this group and now add to it, which I don't feel like last year. They did not do that. You know, Andre Drummond, Goran Dragic, that wasn't really adding to it. I don't even think it was keeping it status quo. It downgraded them, if anything, because you lost Lonzo Ball. What enhancement did you really make? You know, you signed a guy, and and I like Andre Drummond a lot. He's a really, really good guy, and actually think he's been a really solid pro his whole career. But I mean, in today's NBA, he's kind of obsolete to me. It wasn't that big of an addition, and Goran Dragic, he's close to you know signing up for AARP. I I didn't think it was a a major move. There was nothing about those moves last summer that made me feel like they were doing anything to improve around the margins. So I see
1: that that that's what makes this this offseason feel better because at least you, you actually addressed
0: mm-hmm.
1: some needs with the three-point shooting. Um, I know a, a lot of talk is still going on about how there still isn't a rim protector there, but, you know, at least this summer, this transactional period, they pinpointed one of the things, one of the weaknesses on the roster, and they actually addressed it. So, I mean... Like you said, it it was a long time coming, but it needs to be a step, another domino toward another move and a move mm-hmm. after that so that you can kind of win back the fan base that you're not just about the status quo and getting to the playoffs. You don't want to just yeah. get to the playoffs. It's,
0: you know, I'm going to sound like a hypocrite because I just ripped this franchise, you know, the Knicks. You know, we forget. 2021, the Knicks in that COVID shortened season, yeah, you know, they were a, a, a playoff team, and then 2022 came and they, you know, took a significant drop, and then last year, you know, now there now the biggest difference was they made a very key acquisition in Jalen Brunson. Okay, the Bulls didn't do that, but kind of speaks to like you you can potentially reset in some situations and. You know, you bring up a great point about other teams in the playoff picture, not necessarily making significant moves. I'd say that the Raptors are, are to me, the team for sure that's taken a, a big step back from a personnel standpoint. I think the Hawks have taken a little bit of a step back from a personnel standpoint. So, I mean, it it's possible. So, yeah, I mean, it, it is a, a trust issue. Like, until we see more, and honestly, that's okay. I think it's okay for fans to want to be proven wrong. And if you prove us wrong, you know, who cares? We're fanatics. We'll love you again. It's no big deal. No hard (laughs) feelings. Right. Like, you know, I, I think if, if you find a way to upgrade this roster and then you use those other avenues to continue to improve and you make it a, an attractive situation again, then more power to you. You've done your job in my opinion. So, um, you know, and, and there's ways like Miami heat are a great example of this. There's, there's ways to kind of like softly reset along the way, you know, like if you're doing really well and you use your disabled player exception and you make a key acquisition and let's say during all that, I, I don't know, DeMar Rosen doesn't have as good of a season, right? Like maybe trails off a little bit, but you're still doing well. Like, let's say that happens then you know what you should be a smart enough front office to say this is the this is the time to recoup like now now's the time I need to go recoup my assets. It's doing things like that. Like being being ahead of it. And that's that's the one thing I think we wanna we wanna see. And I, I'm not quite sold that they're they're doing that yet.
1: Same same here. Just gotta continue to show improve. I think the the forward thinking aspect is something that we started to see in the summer of 21, mm-hmm. but then it just stops. They just mashed exactly. down on the break. And now we're seeing them slowly ease their foot off the brake. And, and we got to see where, where they drive this team and this franchise from this point out. I, I don't mean to put you
0: on the spot, but you had tweeted something out great because it made me think about forward thinkingness, right? Like the Bulls are now catching up to modern NBA in terms of their roster construction. And, and you – I think you highlighted it perfectly um, when you you put out uh, the stats for three point attempts um, in relation to, um, you know, Javon Carter and Torrey Craig with, you know, other other personnel on the on the Bulls uh, bench. I think it was. And do you do you have that handy? Because I thought it was interesting. I'm trying to pull it up right now. and Of course, everything freezes.
1: But. Let me see if I can find it. But it's it, it's essentially what you what you said. Um, Carter and Craig's three point attempts versus. I think I just did everybody, except for Levine, DeRozan, Vucevic, Kobe White, Allen, like the like the 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 others, so to speak. The others, yes. others, like everybody from <laughs> like the six man the- down.
0: When we talk about the margins and I love using yeah. that term because it's like it's the sexy <laughs> NBA term, right? Filling in the mm-hmm. roster around the margins and you highlighted it perfectly. Those guys that were those pieces for the Bulls last year, those marginal pieces did not meet it. So here it is. This is uh, you tweeted this on July 4th. You said I owe plus Patrick Beverly, Derek Jones, Jr., Javante Green, Goran Dragic, Tony Bradley, Malcolm Hill, Terry Taylor equal 522 three-point attempts. Javon Carter and Torrey Craig, 593-point attempts. I think that highlights it perfectly, what you're getting. So you kind of add that into it with with Zach, who, you know, streaky three-point shooter, but I think does take a good clip every game. Same with Kobe White. Um, I think you can kind of throw... Vooch into that mix Caruso into that mix. Imagine if you get maybe some of that three-point production you were getting from DeMar DeRozan to close out the season. Um, and he started taking more attempts down the stretch and then even Patrick Williams. So yeah, the, it it's definitely like the bulls are getting a little closer to the modern NBA, but it, it took them long enough. <laughs> would have been nice <laughs> if, if maybe the, that move was being made last season. Yeah. Um, but I guess a lot of it goes back to to this, Drew. Did they just not really know what was going on with Bonzo Ball?
1: I have a hard time believing that. I really do. Mm-hmm. Um, and it takes two to tango. It's not like the, the Bulls can just go out and sign whoever they want. Like the the, the free agents have a have a say in that. Um, obviously, if they would have traded for somebody that person or that player coming to the Bulls wouldn't necessarily have a say, but I mean, who are you going to trade that's going to get you a a stud three-point shooter?
0: Let me, and I, this just kind of dawned on me when you were saying this. This is also, I think, what's frustrating. Weren't they kind of that sexy team last year? Like, wouldn't that have been the time to do this because you got off to that hot start, the Lonzo injury, the Zach injury, plummeted you into the sixth seed where you could kind of be like, "Hey, we're a you away from getting over the hump in the Eastern Conference." Like, I feel like this that was probably their opportunity to really sell that situation in Chicago. Would have been last off season.
1: I think it was, um, yeah, yeah. Or even if if you want to go back to the twenty two season and all that talk about Patrick Williams and man, they should try to trade him for kind of a more proven forward who could fit in with this team. Like I I don't know if that was if there was any type of traction to that in the front office, but it certainly was a big topic among Bulls Nation um on Twitter and in social other social media circles for sure.
0: Yeah, and it's it's um like I keep thinking back to last year. Like I, I remember a couple of those big names in the summer was like a, you know Isaiah Hartenstein, you know like that kind of an addition a Mo Bamba, um, yeah like
1: it just. Mr. Robinson, I think it was a little yeah, uh, Robinson. I think he, he, he I, and, the price range he was still kind of talked about a little bit.
0: And and like I think what you're alluding to in the trade market, um, you know from the year before with Patrick Williams or or earlier in the 2022 season was I think names like Jeremy Grant being thrown out um, Harrison Barnes being thrown right. out. And it's interesting to ponder, like, um, you know, right now it probably would, I don't know if it'd be frustrating for both fans, but you know, if you had made that move in, in, you know, late 2021 or at the trade deadline of 2022, I think both fans have been like, Oh, awesome. Like they're, they're really making a swing for this. And Again, it is interesting. It, it, perception has totally changed in just a matter of one season where they wasted time. Like, I think that's to me the biggest takeaway. It seemed like it was a wasted season in terms of development of the core, in terms of, you know, getting something out of Zach Levine's contract, getting something out of DeMar DeRozan's contract, you know, it's, and then not necessarily. You know, pivoting in a in an even bigger way with, you know, moving on from Nikola Vucevic possibly, um, and again, even I like that in a vacuum. This off season, I got to be honest. Three years, sixty million. I mean, would have liked that last year to be some type of mutual option or play or team option, but I I still think that's a solid deal, and you know, I do think his game ages well. I actually think that contract. Is movable at some point down the road because even if you're paying Vucevic twenty million a year and his averages are down to like fifteen and seven, that's still really solid for for a big man in today's game. Making twenty million, it,
1: I agree. It's just if if depending on when and if you move him, it would hurt a little bit because you may have to tack a draft pick onto that could for for a team to take take him on not the contract necessarily but just Vucevic it just seems like and I think we saw this from there not being a a line of teams waiting for him to sign up for his services or at least it didn't seem like that um, you know it just seems like there's not a a whole lot of teams that are trying to vie for for him or the style of game that he he has but I agree though I think it's funny it's kind of like the seasons that Vucevic Levine and the had were all great in a vacuum individually. Mm-hmm. And, and these all season moves are kind of the same way like on, on their face. All of these moves look great. Now, how can they help push this team to better than a temp right. seed and, you know, a, a loss in a play in tournament.
0: Agreed. Like it'll, it'll definitely be interesting to see how it all meshes together. I do have a couple other quick questions about just the, the current roster construction. Um, so clearly, every we got that continuity storyline again, but continuity with better marginal additions that were sorely needed, um, that are addressing areas of need. But I'm actually curious is there anything that you think you mentioned one thing in terms of rim protection? And it, I don't is that what's missing from the roster? Is there another element that you think is missing that? you hope to maybe see a dress because there's still spots that they, they can still fill here.
1: I don't know if that's the biggest hole. I think it is a hole, <laughs> but I, I think that the, the, the bigger thing, I still think it might be. It is an like a hole. I think, I think it really might be like that. Maybe I'm, I'm overthinking it, but I really think it's kind of that coach on the floor organize this team being able to to get certain guys shots in the offense when they need to get them, taking some of that pressure off of DeMar DeRozan, having to be kind of like the lead ball handler and the surest and safest ball handler. I think that still is something that needs to be addressed and probably it's not going to be addressed this offseason, I don't think, but I just, I just, I wish there was a, a Chris Polish move to be made this off I'm, I'm sure it wasn't, but mm-hmm. um I, I would want to see this team with it, with a guard who could kind of fill that role. Maybe, maybe Javon Carter surprises us, or maybe Kobe white surprises us depending on w- uh, which direction Billy Donovan chooses to go. But I still think that's kind of the number one thing for yeah. me. It,
0: well, and that's interesting you brought that up because that, that's where I was going to go with it is I do think, The floor general is to me the one thing that I I would love to see added, and I think that one might come via the exception via the disabled player exception. I think that could be your move if things are going well as we get closer to the the new year and get closer to the trade deadline, because I think that's where they're going to exercise that that option. they're that exception because it, it would make perfect sense to kind of like, you know, add a a bigger salary on if you're noticing like this could be, you know, your chance to kind of make a, a bigger push. So it wouldn't surprise me if it happens at that point. But, you know, there was part of me that was wondering too if, if Russell Westbrook didn't re sign with, you know, the Clippers, if maybe that might have been the one that, uh, the front office might have thought about going after a player. They might've thought about going after to kind of fill more of that floor general role, because we know that there was interest there around that, around the deadline and during the buyout market. So, I I mean, I wonder if maybe that was something if they thought, you know, they could maybe get him on a cheaper deal, but you kind of understand why Russ might want to, you know, go back to the Clippers, given the, given the situation they're in, they're a little closer to being championship contenders than the bulls are.
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. I think that, I think that would have been an interesting, interesting fit for sure. Even dating back to last season and the, the rumors that we heard about the mutual interest between the two teams. But um, and again, I say Chris Paulish type point guard. There's only one Chris Paul, really, but just somebody. I think you understand is just somebody that can really command the offense um, mm-hmm. and maybe take this team to a different level in the half court just because it is more organized and it's not so much a my turn, your turn um, toggling between Zach Levine and DeMar DeRozan. But, um, again, maybe that's even more reason for us to, to look at Billy Donovan with more of an intense eye. Like, okay, if, if we don't have that kind of point guard necessarily, what can you do to make this offense run better? Agreed. How can you get? How can you get Zach Levine taking more catch and shoot threes? Who can you get to screen him that's going to put the defense back on their heels? Wink, wink, DeMar DeRozan, possibly, or you know, just I'm not. Yep. I'm not an excellent guy, but I mean, he is. He's been around the game. He knows more than you know than I'll ever learn. You know, he's no, forgotten I more than I'll ever learn. You know, I don't. has got to be something he can do to juice this offense. I don't
0: think that's too much to ask. I think what what you're asking and, and, you know, especially if you can't fill that need, then, you know, it's the reason why Billy Donovan got paid a lot to, to come to the bulls and, and coach this team a few years ago. Like this was it to kind of get these pieces in place, you know,
1: it, man.
0: <laughs> yes. And so it's interesting. Like I also want to just clarify, like, I think me saying this, I think us saying this, it's not like we're knocking Javon Carter. I actually think like he is kind of, I guess, a a lazy argument. But to me, he is a step up above Patrick Beverly. I feel like there's actually some similarities there. The key difference is shooting the basketball. And that's why it's a much bigger impact move to me than bringing Patrick Beverly back, because I'm ensuring at least that I'm getting improved three point shooting from that spot. But yeah, it's not like I think on most teams, Javon Carter would be, you know, me, your backup point guard. Or spelling, you know, a point guard that gets hurt for, you know, 30 games maybe in a season, uh, because of injuries or like just needs to hold down the fort for a little bit. But and you know, you made a good point. Like maybe we'll see. Maybe with expanded minutes and you know this kind of a role assigned to him who knows maybe maybe he outperforms that and proves us wrong but i think knowing what we know definitely agree that you know to me floor general would be the the big move if it could be made and that's gonna be a tricky one to pull off unless i don't know there's some major blockbuster move that comes out of nowhere and surprises us all but i find that hard to believe um (laughs) Speaking of point guard spot, there was, uh, of course, position was manned for a little bit by Ao last year. He, right now, it's it's kind of interesting. The Bulls extended the qualifying offer to him, but he's still lingering there in restricted free agency. So what do you think is going on there? Do you think something's maybe brewing with another team with some type of offer sheet or sign-and-trade even? Or you think it's just a matter of time before he signs on the dotted line for the qualifying offer with the Bulls?
1: I mean, if we're, we're to take anything from, from Casey Johnson, who's as tapped into this team as anybody, you know, it's, it, it's what you just said. It, it's it's either them maybe trying to get him to take a multi-year deal with less money than what that qualifying offer would be or potentially looking at a, a sign-and-trade deal for or with Abusumu, but I, I think that I feel like he'll be back. I don't know under what terms, but I think mm-hmm. that he'll be back. I hope that if he's not back, they are able to get a sign and trade done because he is, despite the shooting season that he had last season, he still is an asset. He still is a young player who has room to grow, who has the work ethic to grow, um, and you don't just want to let him leave for for nothing. The same way you, you didn't want to let Fusevich walk for nothing and you don't want – DeMar DeRozan to walk for nothing. Same, same thing, just different levels.
0: Agreed. And it's, um, I, I feel like, especially with the way you, you got him to, you know, fell into the second round into your lap and comes out of the gate. And I think has a really impressive first year. And I still think there's, there's still plenty there, right? He gives you, I think a lot on the defensive end of the floor, you know, has, Pretty good athleticism and can get to the basket. Wish he could finish a little more aggressively at times, but, um, you know, there's still something there, and you don't want to give up on that quite yet. So, I do hope that they find a way to bring him back in some way, whether that's on a cheaper multi-year deal or even if he comes back on his qualifying offer. At this point, um, I just feel like there's there's still more I want to see of Ayu assume in a Bulls jersey, and plus. You know I'm an Illini fan. To Paul grad, and I'll get to that in a little bit. Do pay attention to Paul basketball, but you know I'm an Illini fan, so I kind of want to see just how how it plays out a little little bit longer. Okay, I just just want to see it with Iowa because gave me a lot of great memories as a as an Illini fan. Um, so I guess um, a question, I guess to kind of put a bow on this. Um, And not to be dark about this, but if we don't see better results in December or January, like let's say they come out of the gate kind of the same way they did last year. um, Do you think Acme actually this time around blows it up at the trade deadline? Or do you think they'll, they'll try to ride it out again in the 2024 season?
1: I think he'd have to start trying to dismantle some things here starting with Demar Derozan and whatever value he might have at that point in time cuz you can't you can't go into another offseason risking losing one of your your bigger player bigger name players bigger assets sexier assets for nothing the same way you just did with Nikola Vucevic so I I, I would hope that if things didn't really get off the ground the first couple months of the season 2 3 months of the season that again the forward thinking he would him and Mark Evans would be able to look themselves in the mirror and just say okay this experiment this phase is not working even with the off season additions the marginal moves that we made now we need to really start thinking about what it is we want for this this franchise and this team moving forward. Um, I hope that they didn't miss the boat on getting something worthwhile for DeMar DeRozan. I'm kind of worried that they have, but hmm. we'll see.
0: Yeah, that that's the one that still, I think, when we were talking a lot about this summer, I felt like at the very least that was a piece that, you know, if you're the Bulls, you would have looked to explore moving because you you might have gotten some, you know, intriguing capital back. Um, You know, maybe not the sexiest, like, package of first round picks and young players, but maybe you would have gotten somebody that was a a better fit in terms of the roster and then maybe did recoup at least like multiple second round picks or a future first, you know, a few years down the road. It it seemed like that was prime for you because you are trading and you know, all NBA level player at this point. So, um, and I think somebody that if he comes back and has a solid year next year, probably is going to get a massive pay raise. So, yeah, it just, it it does seem like they, they might've missed the boat on it. But again, the off is still pretty young. It's only about, what, a, a week in. So yeah. a little over a week in. So you never know. It, there could be, could be more still, left on the horizon but it, it certainly seems like the core is back and hey expectations are raised because of that with the additions they made with javon carter tory craig and you know bringing back kobe white and and nikola vucevic so definitely be interesting to see and yeah we'll we'll definitely have a lot to talk about between now and opening night i think or beginning of the preseason um sure. So I got to get into this before we wrap up here and talk about some summer league because summer league got underway for the bulls on Friday and it's kind of always fun because it gives fans a chance to look at some of the, the young players. And I think with the absence of a first round pick, it's definitely got like a lot of bulls fans talking about different guys. So of course, Daylon Terry's been, Uh, brought up on i know a lot on twitter it seems like everybody's got thoughts on dalen Terry, justin lewis uh julian phillips javon freeman liberty but was there a storyline or something else that stood out uh regarding the bulls or it could be just anywhere across summer league because there's certainly other other things going on uh, around the summer league that that have been interesting league-wide but anything that stood out to you
1: so we talked a little bit about this off-air, off offline, um, and I think it's kind of a, a through line with a lot of players that we have seen play in summer league, and that's just the the snap reactions, whether it's positive or negative, to the games that these guys are having, whether it's Dalen Terry or even Victor Wimbenyama. Um, I think it's just – it's, it's giving me whiplash, man. It's giving me whiplash just to to be on Twitter and and see the takes just flying left and right, whether they be, again, positive or negative. And I think a lot of times it seems to be coming from a place that is very tunnel vision, uh, tunnel vision. Like it's not taking into account who these guys are playing with or what their roles are on their summer league team. When I say that, I'm speaking more directly toward Dale and Terry and who is or isn't on this team or the, the type of archetype of player that he's playing with um, I think that's, that's that's just kind of been my my takeaway from it I'm not getting too high or, or too low on on any one player although I hated to see Justin Lewis go down um, yeah Saturday with an ankle injury, hoping hoping that he's going to be OK and he's able to play Tuesday night against the, the Kings. Um, we heard Mark Eversley say on Friday that he's going to be given a two-way contract. So you know, like me, like like you and, and I'm sure every other Bulls fan, we want to see the best for him and we want to see him actually on the court, being that he lost the season mm-hmm. uh, last year with that ACL injury.
0: Yeah, I, I hope he's OK. And it would be nice to kind of see if if he, you know, recovers. And I mean, honestly, at this point, I kind of just maybe hope they let him get rest and just kind of come back at it as we get into the the preseason. Um, for me, I gotta say because I, I I hinted earlier, you know, I'm a, I'm a DePaul alum. While I'm I'm a Fighting I fan, I do pay attention to DePaul basketball. And Javon Freeman Liberty is somebody that. I, I had my eye on it like before we got into Summer League because, you know, he he was kind of. I remember like that signing happened like in the fall last year where he, he signed with the uh, Windy City Bulls. And there's, we talked about this three two way contracts up for grabs now. So we know one of them is, is tied up. Um, why am I blanking? Um, uh,
1: Double. Adama Smogu.
0: Thank you. And then potentially Justin Lewis. So could this be Javon Freeman Liberty's spot to snatch? Because he had a he had an impressive game against Memphis. I was not surprised. He had some really solid games even in the G League last year. So thing with him, he always makes plays, right? Like this guy, I feel like can score the basketball multiple ways on the floor and just Always is around for, like, big rebounds. I think a pretty good distributor. He's always just been a guy, like, you go and watch his, like, games in college. Did the exact same stuff. I don't know. I'm kind of pulling for him. Was there anything else, though, with, like, Dalen Terry, Julian Phillips? I know Dalen Terry, you know, had some struggles a little bit. You know, efficiency-wise from the floor didn't do too hot. But, again, like, I think they're kind of having him go crazy cuz it's summer league. With Dalen Terry, any any thoughts there or, you know, Julian Phillips, I know he was out the first game cuz he didn't sign his contract, then he signed his contract. He didn't end up playing on Saturday. Kind of up and down, but you know, it's his first game. Are you overthinking anything with those two or
1: whatever? No, I don't think so. I um you know, I, I, you, you said it preferably about Dalen Terry, like just kind of go crazy. You know, I'm not as worried about his shooting percentage as much as I am. Just him putting him up, at least from three-point range, especially when he's able to get those looks um, in, in spot up situations. I like to see him look more under control with the ball in his hands. He looks like he's speeding himself up more than maybe what he needs to be. Um, and just the decision making, the decision making, like he looks, he looks like he he definitely can grow into the role of being like a secondary playmaker. Like when the ball is kicked to him, he can make a quick decision, whether that's the drive to the basket, take a shot or, you know, make another pass to another teammate who may have an opening somewhere. Um, but I'm trying not to get too, too caught up in the shooting percentages or the turnovers because it's it's, it's Summer League, and it's kind of a breeding ground for um, unpleasant counting stats, I guess you could say. In Mm -hmm. terms of uh, Julian Phillips, just want to see more. Just want to see more. I'm kind of letting the first game jitters, giving him that pass on that game, and then just want to see what he does from this point out. I'm not so sure. I know that I feel pretty confident that Julian Phillips is not going to be a rotation player, but I'm kind of Leaning toward the reality that Dalen Terry is not going to see many more minutes this upcoming season than he did this previous season. Um, barring injury, obviously, but we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens. Maybe, maybe, maybe I'm wrong.
0: I know Mark Karen tweeted this out, Mark K from you know the CHGO Bowls uh podcast, but like, I think we're at a point right now where there's a good chance those two probably don't see the floor that often, which I mean, at least at how the rotation's looking like it's setting up based on who's here. Right. Doesn't say that, you know, maybe Dave and Terry doesn't take a a jump into the rotation somehow and, and plays his way into it. It's very possible, but it's not looking like it based on the additions that have been made to this point. Let's just kind of go over it. If you were to do a 10 man rotation right now, I mean, we're looking at, Starting lineup, like let let's say it's the starting lineup. Your you guess: Javon, Zach, Demar, Tori Craig, Nikola Vucevic, and then who are your other five? It's you know Kobe White, Alex Caruso, Aude Drummond,
1: Patrick, Patrick Williams. Williams.
0: So well now the, now the one wild card in that is probably Andre Drummond. He found his way yeah. in and out a lot last year.
1: I wonder though, like if 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 DJJ declining his player option opens up more minutes for Drummond because yeah, Anthony Donovan can't go super small anymore unless unless he gives that that role to Patrick Williams. I don't know, which I think is a possibility,
0: and that'll be interesting to see because if if that's if that's the case, and let's say there's games, you know, maybe it's depending on the matchup. Too like if it's a team that's a smaller team, faster team, maybe that's where you throw Dalen Terry into the mix, and you know then Andre Drummond doesn't get as much run, or vice versa, you get a bigger lineup. Andre Drummond finds his way in, like uh, definitely be interesting to see. But yeah, if Dalen Terry's not in the rotation, it does kind of suck because you want to see you know something from one of your first round picks from a couple of years ago, like, can he take that next step? And the only way you can know is if he gets playing time. So yeah. that's why the bulls are in this weird spot when it comes to that.
1: I feel like there's like competing things with this team. Like you want Zach to be able to take a step as a leader and as a shot maker down the stretch of games. But that responsibility has more often than not fallen on to DeMar DeRozan. And if Demar Derozan is off ball, how valuable is he to you? Mm. You want Patrick Williams to develop, but what role would he be in for him to develop the best? What is he going to develop? How you want him to develop playing with the big three? How much? De- but if you bring him off the bench, how much development can he really? How much development can you expect or see from him? You want Dale and Terry to give minutes. But now you've just brought in Javon Carter. Well, um, He's still battling with Caruso and different people ahead of him in the rotation.
0: Yeah, I feel like this, this is where it gets into like your player development strategy. If you find certain traits that you like about players and you have a strong infrastructure that can then bring their strengths even more to the forefront, and then you develop all those other things. So, like, use Dalen Terry as an example, right? high-energy player, right? And probably could give you some help on the defensive end of the floor right now, be a spark plug for you off the bench, but his shooting is what his his biggest liability is, right? So, you know, I guess this is where you're hoping, like, a a Peter Patton is your worthwhile investment. But I I think it also speaks, though, like, there's different player development strategies because sometimes teams look at player development as... I'm going to draft a guy that has a character type or a trait that I like and that I know could easily sub in for another player that leaves immediately, right? Like if I let that other person walk, I have that person waiting in the rings. It seems like the bulls are drafting a type every time and it's raw, athletic, slightly undersized <laughs> given the position, maybe, but you know, it's missing that like, you know, capable outside shooting element that that's what you would like to see, like I guess more swings at that spot than anything, but they haven't really drafted that to this point.
1: No, they haven't. They haven't. It's, it's um goes back to your point about how the front office has watched the team be last in three point attempts the year before last. Didn't really address it. And now coming into this to this season, they finally, after two seasons of being dead last in the league in, in three-point attempts, um, they finally look to have done something about it. So, yeah, man, it's, it's uh, a long time coming, and hopefully it actually does come this season where we see them take a jump into the 30s in terms of three-point attempts um, taken per game.
0: Mm-hmm. so before we get out of here drew any any final thoughts
1: just waiting to see what's going to happen with Al sumo seeing there's another shooter drop with this damian lillard to miami and the necessity of a third or fourth or maybe a, even a 15 being involved in it and if the bulls yeah finding a way into the stockpile of 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 uh of slop um yeah, man, cool. just just looking to see if, if if they're done with the roster or where this goes from here. Yeah, like, we didn't even get
0: into that, but I think to kind of address what you were saying there about that, you know, Damian Lillard third-team slop, Um, like, there were reports, I know, Casey Johnson being the, I think the one report that you kind of like, you know, you raise an eyebrow a little bit or you sort of, you know, your ears perk up because when KC reports, it, it's there's usually some substance behind it. Um, you know, hearing him say that there are indeed teams calling about Zach Levine, his name has been brought up in trade discussions with teams like Portland and the 76ers. It's interesting because there's a lot at play there with the Damian Liller trade and the James Harden potential trade that could happen. So, quick opinion on that it would be a little baffling given the direction they've taken this off to then say all right and now we're also going to reset by trading Zach Levine recouping draft capital getting a young intriguing piece back like if it ends up being like a you know I I feel like in the Dame package yes there's some intriguing pieces from the Blazers but I don't know if that's going to happen with a three-team trade setup, and especially with Dame holding everything hostage, um, and then with the Sixers, you know, your your guy Michael Pena, say, you know, Tobias Harris, I, mm, nah, that's mm-mm. like I, you definitely need more than that. So if those are the kind of discussions happening, I hope they're hanging up the phone rather quickly.
1: Hey, you preaching to the choir. I'm I'm right there with you. You know, I'm I've been team Zach Levine at the risk of having tomatoes hurled at my head for, for quite a while now, man. Um, yeah, I hope they wouldn't just salary dump him and I hope they wouldn't make these moves just to trade him um, before this season because to me, like you said, it just wouldn't make a lick of sense and we'd have to rethink the whole conversation we just had about this front office. Yeah. <laughs> Finally starting to take steps forward. So I, I, I didn't really, I didn't, really bad eye to be honest with you when, when Casey's report came out, I think maybe just cause he, the way he phrased it as preliminary talks and the mm-hmm. fact that they haven't really gained any traction. I just, okay, well they call. Okay. It's, it's, it makes sense to call about Zach Levine. He's one of the, the best, you know, perimeter scores or just scores in general in the league today. So, um, you know, you think about wanting to pair him with a, a Joel Embiid or, help the rebuild get off the ground in, in Portland. It makes sense to me. But um until there's there's some, some sparks that are more indicative of a fire starting, I'm not really gonna, gonna put too much stock into it right now.
0: Agreed. Agreed. And like the only the only type of trade where I might might be okay with it is if in that three team deal you somehow are able to get, like, some of the younger players from Portland. But the way it seems is that you'd end up with, like, Tyler Hero in future draft capital. And I, I'm all about getting future draft capital. But to me, like, Tyler Hero is a good player. And I think he would, you know, fill a nice shooting need on this team. But to me, that's not the type of young player upgrade we're talking about. So,
1: yeah, um, yeah. Unless you're trying to do a salary dump, like, you have – Someone in my opinion who's a fringe All NBA player in Zach Levine. Why would you trade him for somebody who's probably not even going to be an All Star at any point in his career in no. Tyler Hero? I don't think that's the that's the move to make.
0: Agreed, agreed. So it'll it'll be interesting to kind of keep an eye on uh, just in general, even without the Bulls, you know, involvement. It it definitely will be interesting to see what happens here with with Damian Lillard and and James Harden. Like this Lillard situation, I think. It's getting kind of interesting, like with his agents, you know, contacting other teams and saying, Hey, don't even think about making an offer because he doesn't want to go there. He's he wants to go to Miami, man. It's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. Um, so we'll be back, uh, you know, soon to cover other aspects of the, the off season, maybe get into some kind of fun, uh, topics for, for debate too along the way. Um, but, you know, I'm sure there's going to be some things that pop up throughout the NBA. We still haven't had, like, the big shoe drop or the big domino fall, whatever cliche you want to use. So, um, you know, continue to follow us on Twitter. I'm at mgenteel 88 Drew is at look what Drew did. I'm actually, Drew, are you on threads yet?
1: I'm not. I'm not. Nah, I haven't even given any thoughts to, like, Okay. Escaping, escaping the Twitter's yet. <laughs> All right.
0: Well, I I am on Threads. I'm at mgentle three zero eight eight because some other asshole took eighty eight. Just kidding. Hopefully that guy's not a listener. We love you <laughs> if you are. But I'm at mgentle three zero eight eight on Threads. But the Rebuildable Podcast will try to get it up and running over there at some point. But we're still on Twitter at. Uh, rebuild underscore a underscore bull. Um, Of course, as we always say, close these episodes, the best way to get the most up to date episodes is by subscribing. Because when you subscribe, you get alerts that tell you that another episode's out. So, you know, subscribe, get those notifications, best way to, to follow along with the podcast and, and get those episodes the minute they drop. Again, look forward to talking more this off season about other things happening with the bulls and around the league. Uh, With Drew Stevens, I'm Matt Gentile. We'll catch you soon. Thank you for listening to the Rebuildable Podcast. Be sure to check us out and subscribe on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or wherever else you stream your podcasts.